Welcome back, listeners, to this Womance Pride and Prejudice public access read-along. I am your even chapter reader, Isabeau. I'm your odd chapter reader, Morgan. So do we need to do chapter recaps because they're so short? I imagine we do. It'll take two seconds. Yeah. Um, So I read our last chapter, which was chapter one. I got to read the most famous one. So back in chapter one, Mrs. Bennett tells Mr. Bennett that a fancy house in their neighborhood has let at last, and she begs him to go and meet the letter of this fancy house because it would be great if they could marry off one of their five adult daughters to this man. Excellent. And Mr. B- and Mr. Ben- Bennett was like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Go by yourself. And so now our debut even chapter... Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Mr. Bennett was among the earliest of those who waited on Mr. Bingley. He had always been intended to visit him, though, to the last, always assuring his wife that he should not go. Hmm. So Mr. Bennett's a troll. Until the evening after the visit was paid, she had no knowledge of it. It was then disclosed in the following manner. Observing his second daughter, employed in trimming a hat, he suddenly addressed her with, I hope Mr. Bingley will like it, Lizzie. You're not in a way to know what Mr. Bingley likes, said her mother resentfully, since we are not to visit. But you forget, Mama, said Elizabeth, that we shall meet him at the assemblies and that Mrs. Long has promised to introduce him. I do not believe Mrs. Long will do any such thing. She has two nieces of her own. She is a selfish, hypocritical woman, and I have no opinion of her. No more have I, said Mr. Bennet, and I am glad to find that you do not depend on her serving you. Mrs. Bennet deigned not to make any reply, but unable to contain herself, began scolding one of her daughters. Don't keep coughing so. Kitty, for heaven's sake, have a little compassion on my nerves. You tear them to pieces. Kitty has no discretion in her cough, said her father. She times them ill. I do not cough for my own amusement, replied Kitty fretfully. When is your next ball to be, Lizzie? Tomorrow fortnight. Aye, so it is, cried her mother, and Mrs. Long does not come back till the day before, so it will be impossible for her to introduce him, for she will not know him herself. Then you, my dear, may have the advantage of your friend, and introduce Mr. Bingley to her. Impossible, Mr. Bennet, impossible, when I am, I am not acquainted with him myself. How can you be so teasing? I honor your circumspection. A fortnight's acquaintance is certainly very little. One cannot know what a man really is by the end of a fortnight. But if we do not venture, somebody else will. And after all, Mrs. Long and her nieces must stand their chance. And therefore, as she will think it an act of kindness if you decline the office, I will take it on myself. The girls stared at their father. Mrs. Bennet said only, nonsense, nonsense. What can be the meaning of that emphatic exclamation, cried he? Do you consider the forms of introduction and the stress that is laid on them as nonsense? I cannot quite agree with you there. What say you, Mary, for you are a young lady of deep reflection, I know, and read great books and make extracts. Mary wished to say something very sensible, but knew not how. (laughs) Mary. While Mary is adjusting her ideas, he continued, let us return to Mr. Bingley. I am sick of Mr. Bingley, cried his wife. I'm sorry to hear that. But why did you not tell me so before? If I had known as much this morning, I certainly would not have called on him. It's very unlucky. But as I have actually paid the visit, we cannot escape the acquaintance now. 
The astonishment of the ladies was just what he wished, that of Mrs. Bennet perhaps surpassing the rest. Though when the first tumult of joy was over, she began to declare that it was what she had expected all the while. How good it, it, it was in you, my dear Mr. Bennet, but I knew I should persuade you at last. I was sure you loved your girls too well to neglect such an acquaintance. Well, how pleased I am, and it is such a good joke, too, that you should have gone this morning and never said a word about it till now. Now, Kitty, you may cough as much as you choose, said Mr. Bennet, and as he spoke, he left the room, fatigued with the raptures of his wife. What an excellent father you have, girls, said she, when the door was shut. I do not know how you will ever make him amends for his kindness, or me either, for that matter. At our time of life, it is not so pleasant, I can tell you, to be making new acquaintance every day, but for your sakes we would do anything. Lydia, my love, though you are the youngest, I dare say Mr. Bingley will dance with you at the next ball. Oh, said Lydia stoutly, I am not afraid, for though I am the youngest, I'm the tallest. <laughs> the rest of the evening was spent in conjecturing how soon he would return Mr. Bennet's visit and determining when they should ask him to dinner. All right, so we've met the daughters. The coffer, the deep thinker who wants to say smart things but can't put her thoughts together. The youngest and the tallest. And those other two. <laughs> More so Lizzie's sisters, I think, than they are Mrs. Bennett's daughters mm -hmm. as the book progresses. But we've got to save a special introduction for Jane, I think. Yes. What do we think? Uh, I didn't realize in any other reading of this or viewing of this that Mr. Bennett is such a pronounced gaslighter. Yeah. Well, he's not a gaslighter, but he is certainly a, a troll. It's not like he was like, I told you I said I would go. That would be gaslighting in common parlance, not. Did you know gaslighting is actually like a like a diagnosis mm -hmm. with its own very specific definition mm -hmm. that we don't use usually. We also we just don't. like call people like a narcissist all the time. We do. I don't think Mr. Well, maybe. No. <laughs> but also just the immediate switch that Mrs. Bennett makes when the door is shut and she's like, what an excellent father you have. Mm -hmm. And also, like, this book is so modern where it's like, at our age, it's hard to meet people and it's not fun. <laughs> See, I was imagining, like, God, it's so different now because I'm like, how old is she? Like, 43? At most. Yeah. 43 at most. And she's talking like, you know, I would say like, a 70 or 80 year old right but like for this time she is basically a 70 or 80 year old for this time like, and for their like income bracket yeah like she's not gonna live super long unless she's like one of those but like that would be an outlier it's pretty funny very funny very funny and i'm excited to meet all these people and hang out with them much less baroque than uh jane Eyre. This trips along like a merry little melody. I was going to say, this is trippingly along, you know, rather than like, I guess, like swirling or churning. I mean, the Red Room is chapter two in Jane Eyre, so. But it's also like the whole language, not just the content. There's way more dialogue. Way more dialogue, which I think is now considered like one of those things that people are like, when you write... At least when you write romance, right? Like, no head hopping, lots of dialogue, no purple prose. I hate dialogue. <laughs> I love head hopping. Love More purple, purple prose. prose. 
Yeah. I think it just like depends on what you're going for, right? Like this is speedy. Yeah. Jane Eyre, you didn't want to speed through it because you wanted to luxuriate in it. There's like no real space to luxuriate here because it's like. I wonder, this wasn't, was this published as like a complete book Mm -hmm. or was it serialized? Complete book. Jane Eyre was serialized. That could definitely be part of it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I'm excited to read chapter three. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, With that. Loosen your prejudices. But never your prides. End of episode. Sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Mwah. Mwah.